So, folks, Helen Gurley Brown, unforgettable character, media mogul, sexual iconoclast, died yesterday in New York at the ripe old age of 90. And, guys, every single one of you out there needs to get down on your knees and give thanks. That's right, folks. Perhaps no one in the history of Western civilization has had more to do with upgrading the experience of sex and intimacy than the original Cosmo girl herself. All right, that's hyperbole. But we're not too far off. Her 1962 book, Sex and the Single Girl, was an American revelation. Women barely talked to each other about sex, and yet we were all sexually involved. All of my friends were. We weren't married. At the time, it was thought if you didn't have a husband and you were 28 years old, you should go to Grand Canyon and throw yourself in. And if you were sexually involved with somebody and you weren't married, forget Grand Canyon, go to the kitchen, put your head in the oven, and turn on the gas. Well, I knew those things were not true. Helen Gurley Brown was, of course, the editor of Cosmopolitan magazine from 1965 to 1997, the most successful women's magazine in the world. Today, Cosmo has three million American readers and reaches women all around the planet with 64 international editions. It may have been all about freeing women from a prison of post-Victorian sexual mores, but there were benefits for guys as well. Being skitterish and fidgety aren't allowable. You must be very quiet if you can, and extreme primness and properness and only speaking when spoken to, well, that won't do either. You've got to come on a little bit more than that. Uh, Be as alert as an eel and ride his thought waves and talk waves as though you were a surfer. Some advice there from Helen Gurley Brown. In the latest issue of Cosmo, 75 ways to pleasure your man, nine ways to look even hotter naked, and 27 sexy things to do in a bikini. And did you know that men have nine pleasure triggers, according to Cosmopolitan? In 1970, this was on the cover, How to Get Your Husband to Love You Like a Mistress. Helen Gurley Brown, The Demystifier. This is from 1963. In movies, a a boy and girl sometimes fall into a swimming pool with all their clothes on, and while they're drying off with these big, teary towels, it happens. But in real life, if the girl doesn't already have a yen for you, well, she just waits for her clothes to dry and puts them right back on. So this is real life, and I assume the girl you want is some very special girl, no pushover. So how do you get her? Well... I believe most girls are attainable by somebody, really most girls, but you have to work at it. Lessons in Love from Helen Gurley Brown back in 1963. She lived a good long life and observed a revolution in sexuality and gender roles. Here she is speaking to WNYC's Leonard Lopate in February of 2000. Oh, I consider myself a devout feminist. Feminism simply means that nobody should be stopped from doing what he or she wants to do because of gender. If a man wants to be a ballet dancer or a hairdresser or stay home with the children, that's okay. That's up to them, him and his wife, to decide. And if a woman wants to ride on a tractor or run General Motors or run in a marathon, fine. Don't keep her from doing that just because she's a female. It's a complicated but very interesting legacy, Helen Gurley Brown. And here to talk about it is Jennifer Scanlon, president or professor, excuse me, of the humanities in gender and women's studies at Bowdoin College, and author of Bad Girls Go Everywhere: The Life of Helen Gurley Brown. And we're also joined by Edith Zimmerman, a journalist who wrote the recent New York Times Magazine feature, "99 Ways to Be Naughty in Kazakhstan: How Cosmo Conquered the World." Edith and Jennifer, welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. 
So, uh, Edith, let's talk first about your just straight ahead, uh, what you think the legacy of uh, Helen Gurley Brown is before we get into some of the complications of her notion of uh, feminism. Edith? Sure. I think she really got the ball rolling um, with Sex and the Single Girl as far as making female sexuality less taboo, helping women realize that even though it's really easy to pull quotes about how you know, it's all about pleasing a man. It, she really focuses a lot on how women can find more pleasure in their own bodies and have more fun in their own lives and just refocusing on making women happier. I mean, that's just the core message. If you read anything she writes, she just really wants women to be happier. And I think the the takeaway has just been physically, emotionally having more fun and 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 getting more pleasure out of life and sex and relationships. And she certainly had a smile on her face uh, all the time whenever you would see her in public. Jennifer Scanlon, did uh, Helen Gurley Brown close a chapter from the Victorian age, or did she do something fundamentally American in uh, her message to women? Well, she certainly saw herself as fundamentally American in her message to women. She experienced life in the pre-war period and then in the post-war period as a single woman, She observed what was going on around her, and she really uh, spoke about that honestly. Um, She, you know, some of the evidence of all of her legacy as an American is in the letters that people wrote to her, her readers. And as we just heard, her contribution really was to make women feel good about themselves. And you have letters from, you know, a 50-something woman who just decided to stop wearing cotton underwear because she felt sexy for the first time in her life, or a woman who had said she felt as sexy as a box of cornflakes but was going to try to feel good about herself. And my favorite letter to Helen was from an 80-year-old nursing home resident who mused about what she missed more, high heels or sex. And that was the impact that (laughs) Helen had on women was, Yeah, to say to them, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you look like, you have the right to be a sensuous human being. And and people took that to heart and believed in it about themselves. Talking with Jennifer Scanlon, professor of humanities and gender and women's studies at Bowdoin College, and Edith Zimmerman, editor of The Hairpin. Um, Jennifer, she got stuff wrong, though, or at least took positions that uh, she had to explain. For instance, the Anita Hill... Clarence Thomas controversy back in the 90s. Um, she was accused of of sort of dismissing the concerns of Anita Hill about the allegations of sexual harassment in the in the workplace. What do you make of that? Well, I think that there you see kind of the long arc of women's relationships to the employment world over the course of the 20th century. You know, when she was coming up in the work world. She held 17 different secretarial jobs, and she became a copywriter, at which point she started to train men repeatedly to be her bosses. So the work world she grew up in was very, very different from the work world that we know now. And, you know, to her detriment, she expected certain kinds of sexist practices in the workplace, and she sort of got used to them and felt they were part of the price that women had to pay to be there. So in some ways, you know, she showed her age in certain of her decisions like that, where you saw that she really was of a previous generation and she was trying to catch up. I mean, it's it's almost a miracle that she stayed 
um, editor of Cosmo for 32 years. That's almost unheard of. So it shows how much she was able to change with the times, but there were times when she wasn't. Indeed. Edith Zimmerman, what was her impact on the world? Certainly there are uh, sexual and gender role tensions around the world that Cosmo managed to be in the debate of in Kazakhstan and elsewhere. Yeah, it's a function of having so many international editions. Things we take for granted here, a frank discussion of sex and uh, women's gynecological issues in places around the world where that's not as openly discussed. There's a Cosmo for that, basically. Um, and th- that goes hand in hand. There's a give and a take of what's trickier to talk about, you know, when when Cosmo comes to Kazakhstan, for instance. So when when Cosmo, when she took over Cosmo here... It opened certain doors to certain discussions, and that's happening now around the world mm, in the same way. It's amazing how and, replicatable the cosmopolitan really was under Helen Gurley Brown. Before we go, Jennifer Scanlon, cleavage on the cover, that's uh, the concept? Well, you know, she believed that women like looking at women, at beautiful women and that that was part of what made them feel good. Um, and so she decided to try that, and it certainly worked. And she argued, look, you know, everyone critiques me for putting these women on the cover, and no one can really look like them. And she said, but women know that. They know there are only five or six women in the world who actually look like Cosmo girls, but that doesn't mean that they can't feel good about themselves and feel sexy. And whatever we might feel about that, it certainly has been a successful formula. Jennifer Scanlon, professor of the Humanities in Gender and Women's Studies at Bowdoin College, author of Bad Girls Go Everywhere, The Life of Helen Gurley Brown, and Edith Zimmerman, editor of The Hairpin. She recently wrote about Helen Gurley Brown in a New York Times magazine featuring 99 Ways to Be Naughty in Kazakhstan, How Cosmo Conquered the World. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Ira Flato, host of Science Friday. For over 30 years, our team has been reporting High-quality news about science, technology, and medicine. News you won't get anywhere else. And now that political news is 24-7, our audience is turning to us to know about the really important stuff in their lives. Cancer, climate change, genetic engineering, childhood diseases. Our sponsors know the value of science and health news. For more sponsorship information, visit sponsorship.wnyc.com. Dot org.